Hi everyone, I'm Keith and this is my dad Kerwin. Our guest on this episode is Kara Mahorn, a freelance culture journalist, moderator, content creator, and the founder and host of the Blurred Girl podcast. She's also a contributing editor to Sci-Fi Wire, has been featured in the New York Times, The Guardian, The San Francisco Chronicle, and Black Enterprise. She's the author of Black Panther, Protectors of Wakanda, a history and training manual of the Dora Milaje. Ms. Karima, welcome to Father St. Galaxy. Welcome. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And that was an awesome intro. I think you're going to have to do all of my intros from now on because that sounded amazing. We can write them up. <laughs> we are excited to have you. Can I just tell you up front, I love your book. Thank you. Um, it, I we both do. Yes, absolutely. We both love your book. Um, I don't follow uh, the Black Panther comics like I would like to, but you we, have a bunch of. I do, I do, and I'm behind on reading them. But we are big fans of the film, um, and your book to me just gives such a, a rich history about Wakanda uh, and the, the origins of the Black Panther. So I can't wait to talk about it with you. That's awesome. And, and that makes me so happy to hear you say that because yeah, my book is based on the comics, but as we all know, the movie is also inspired by the comics. And I try to write it for both people who are comic book fans, as well as people who've never picked up a Black comic, Black Panther comic before and are only familiar with the movie. And so that really makes me happy hearing you say that. All right. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, what led you up to writing this book? Well, that's kind of a loaded statement. Let's see. I'm going to try and think the shortest way to, to, to tell this. I actually uh, was contacted by Marvel and they asked me to write the book, but I, it wasn't out of the blue. I have worked for Marvel before. So I have uh, written forwards to comic books that are uh, out right now. I have a couple of essays that are in a comic book run called Marvel's Voices. If you go to marvel.com, I have several essays there. One about Isaiah Bradley, another one um, about actually the Dora Milaje, about this very book. And I've worked working with them, also been on their podcast and things like that. So not many people realize this, but Marvel Comics actually farms out a lot of their prose work, like their non-comic book work to several publishers. So the publisher that I worked with, Becker and Mayer, they happened to do a similar book, sort of like historical fiction for Star Wars. And it's called The Jedi Manual. So they were like, we're kind of looking to do The Jedi Manual, but in Wakanda with the Dora Milaje. And I was like, that's amazing. Except there's not as much lore on the Dora Milaje as there are with Star Wars. So I had quite a bit of research that I had to do uh, to sort of connect the dots between existing comic book lore and bringing together this, you know, story about these incredible, these incredible women. And it's fictional, but a lot of people keep asking me, like, are they based on real life? And it's really funny. And but that makes me feel great. It makes me feel like what people are reading seems really realistic. How much research did you do for the book and what source material did you reference? A lot of comics. So for, as you know, the book is in like several sections. So the main sections, um, you know, tradition, honor, strength, 
courage and compassion. So for like tradition and honor, there was a lot of history. And for that was a lot of comics. Um, so there was the original comics that Christopher Priest uh, wrote back in the day, because that's where he created the Dora Milaje. And I also, but I also went back to some of the stuff that Reginald Hudlin wrote and some of the stuff that Don McGregor wrote. Maybe some of those comics that you got have back there in your in your long box, Kerr, when I actually, I'm <laughs> sure I pulled from them as well. So it was sort of pulling, making sure that I had all of the canon right first. Canon is basically like the historical fiction of the characters. Um, and then of course, Ta-Nehisi Coates' run um, as well as the work that Roxane Gay did because Roxane Gay's comic book run World of Wakanda was really the first comic book about Wakanda told from the women's point of view and really shedding a light on the Dora Milaje. So um, there was a lot of research there. And then the later part of the book with like the fighting styles and um, some of the weaponry and things like that, that was just fun. That was just going back to like Sunday morning martial arts films that my I used to watch with my dad, but also incorporating a lot of um, fighting styles from across the diaspora. So I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, so you're going to have like things like Win Shun and Capoeira. And I was like, yes, but also I wanted to include like um, Ngudi stick fighting as well as like Haitian Machete like all of these things, there's fighting styles that are within the continent of Africa and across the diaspora that I really wanted to include to give it an international feel. Got it, got it. Yeah, I do have maybe one or two of the Christopher Priest comics and a majority of them are the ta Coates version of the yeah. series, yeah. And I think a lot of people got back into reading him after the movie, which is, that makes sense, you know? Um, but in a lot of what I think Ryan Coogler did in the first movie does reference a lot of ta Coates' work. Yes. Well, as I said earlier, it, you know, your, your book paints such a rich history of Wakanda and the origins of the Black Panther. And I want to focus on two women in particular. And if you could just um, tell us about Nahanda the Wise mm -hmm. and her contribution to the formation of Dora Milaje. You know, what's really funny is that um, you actually just brought up one of the things I'm most proud about the book because that isn't in the comics. That is actually something I got to make up. So Nahanda is in the comics. Um, Nahanda was created by, and I, when I say Nahanda, I'm not talking about the real life Nahanda who is was a, a priestess who fought against colonialism, but the woman who she's named after in the comics, Nahanda, was created by ta Coates in his run. Um, what I wanted to do, because as you saw, there's like that whole history of all the different um, kings and queens and Black Panthers of Wakanda. Nahanda is important because in ta Coates' run, he names her a uh, one of the Black Panthers. And it's funny because in another Fantastic Four comic book, Jonathan Hickman had named, uh, I'm sorry, T'Challa, King of the Dead. And he did this at one point when T'Challa had lost his powers and Shuri became Black Panther. But T'Challa still had work to do and he didn't want to usurp 
his sister's power. So he, he went to boss and boss named him King of the dead. When he did that, when, when boss did that, black Panther was able to access all of the previous Kings and Queens, kind of like avatar, the last airbender. Like when he goes into avatar state can talk to all of the previous avatars. So what I was fascinated by was this woman that showed up, Nahanda. And the fact that there was only one woman at the time represented in this vast history of Wakanda. And then you then you see her pop up in other comic books. She was flying running around with Thor and running, you know, in early, like 1000 AD Avengers. Like there's Nahanda keeps popping up as this early, early Black Panther, but she's the only woman. And I was like, there's gotta be something to that. There really has gotta be something to that. And so I came up with the story of what if Nahanda was the creator of the Dora Milaje? Um, the, the history that we hear about in the comics is that they were considered potential brides of the king. Uh, T'Challa and no other king ever married them. But what they did was to keep the peace amongst the different tribes of Wakanda or city-states, as you will, they would choose one woman from each group to represent uh, themselves at the in the city. And they could potentially be trained to become part of the Dora Milaje. I wanted to just extend that story a little bit and say, what if a woman created them and why would she have created them? And I was fascinated by a, uh, and inspired by a real life story about the Mujaji people of South Africa. And the Mujaji people are, it's a matrilineal society and they worship the rain goddess Mujaji. And I could be saying that wrong. I apologize for those of you who are <laughs> Zulu who know the proper pronunciation. I've only seen it written, but this rain goddess is known for, uh, it's a matrilineal group of priestesses, specifically a high priestess who is responsible for communing with this goddess. And this is, this is like in real life. So what I found was a story about one of the earliest Mujaji uh, priestesses who was challenged by the men in her tribe and someone tried to kill her. And she basically from that point on only kept women around her and called them her brides. And it wasn't brides in the sense of they were married to her and the way we look at marriage here. It's a concept of commitment. And so I basically took that concept and sort of transposed it into my fictional history of the Honda and said, she was the first female Black Panther and not everybody was happy with that. And somebody tried to kill her and someone in her court saved her life. And from that point on, she decided to have only women be her consorts, let's say, like basically take care of her. And she chose one barren woman from every tribe uh, because she knew women who couldn't have children were probably, you know, not looked upon as highly as those who could have children. And also that would give each city state and a chance to be represented in court, you know, at, in the palace. So I was really excited to be able to like take that real life story and like sort of mold it to create canon. I was very surprised because I thought that was the one story that Marvel was going to say, yeah, you can't do that. 
but they didn't they loved it and i'm thrilled because hopefully at some point somebody will write a comic about it uh tell us about dora zola a little bit and the story behind her encounter with ramonda as who we know as the future queen of wakanda that led zola to her greatest achievement What's interesting is that's another, you guys are picking out the great stuff. This is something else I was able to, um, she's not a character I was able to create, but it's a story I was able to create based on two stories that already existed. So let's go back to the comics for a second. In Roxane Gay's World of Wakanda, Mistress Zola was the head of the Dora Milaje school. But if you read that comic, spoiler alert, she doesn't make it to the end. She, someone kills her. The in Evan Narcissus' run of uh, Black Panther, and I believe it's the rise of the Black Panther. What when he was out scouting the borderlands with his son, he was pretty young. The child was pretty young, probably about your age, Keith. And what happened was he lost him. Uh, and when I say he lost him, there was a whole group of people. It was not just Chachaka, but the Hatutsaraze, his his security. There were Dora Milaje there. There were other people around, obviously border tribesmen, and all of a sudden, T'Challa goes missing. And he's missing for a whole day. And he just basically run off, ran off and was really being curious, but fell asleep and fell asleep in the reeds so nobody could see him. It was very tall grass. So what ended up happening was, of course, as a parent, T'Chaka was panicked. And he ends up in that comic book run just getting rid of the Dora altogether because he's so angry that they lost his child. What happens is Ramonda, who is actually a South African citizen, who is trying to find more people to plead her cause to, because at the time she's dealing with apartheid South Africa and she's walking up, and I don't want to say up and down Africa. I'm saying she's going to, she's on a pilgrimage trying to find people to help save her country she stumbles upon this little boy in the grass and wakes him up and basically brings him back to the castle and to shaka you know he doesn't marry her right away but he gets to know her and and convinces her to stay because they want to reward the woman who brought his child home but what's interesting in the that run of the comics is when they do reinstate the dora they're, they, in my book, I made it so that, you know, someone had to pay the price for that mistake being made. And the person who paid the price in my story is Mr. Zola. But because of that, she goes on to start the school that helps to train Dora uh, and basically formalize their training. It's not like they weren't trained before, but she opens the school and basically formalizes their training from that point on. And I just love the fact that I was able to take these different stories that were, were built before me and bring them together in the book. And that's interesting because, uh, again, because I don't have as much knowledge of Black Panther in the comics, I was not aware that T'Challa and Shuri have two different mothers. So T'Challa's mother, um, she was, uh, of course, the, the, the queen at, at one point, but she passed away at a very early age, um, which makes sense because of the gap in age when you see Chadwick Boseman and Letitia Wright, you know, there's about maybe, uh, maybe a 15, 20 year gap in between. I was wondering, well, why is the gap? Why is that such a large gap? But it's because, um, you know, they, you know, they, they come from, uh, 
from two different mothers. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's just an incredible, brilliant story how it's written. And it just enlightened me when I read the story. That's why I'm so excited about talking about the, the history of these two women. Um, it's, it's just wonderful. It just, it makes sense now, you know, bringing it all together. It does. And you know, what's fascinating is, uh, the other thing that I also love that is, um, yes, Niami, uh, who died when T'Challa was young, doesn't get talked about in the, like, you know, the MCU, cause she was really a comic book character, but I will say what is true in the comics, which is very true of a lot of families across the diaspora is that they don't say stepmother or stepfather it, that's just not it, that's not a term that would be used in Wakanda this is your mother now you know and I and I and I love that concept not that it is it, it's ignoring his birth mother but it's after someone makes transition you know as I say death is not the end that said a lot you know within the Black Panther lore they still honor his biological mother, but yes, Shuri's mother, Ramonda, is who he really sees as his mother because she really raised him. He remembers his mother, uh, but he recognizes Ramonda as his mother too. And then you're correct. Shuri is the child that she had with T'Chaka. Um, and then when T'Chaka is taken from her, they truly become even closer because they all share, you know, T'Chaka's memory and T'Chaka's you know, they honor Tajaka as well. Yeah, and that's portrayed so very well in the film. Absolutely. Uh, and one other, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, one other story in the book that I was not aware of, uh, there's a section of the Dormology called the Midnight Angels. Can yes. you tell us who they are and what's their purpose? Well, it's interesting. Again, from the comics, there were two different sets of Midnight Angels. One, their, their origins actually come from a storyline called Doom Wars, uh, a comic book run written by a man named John May Mayberry. And it's a t this is actually around that same time when Shuri was Black Panther and T'Challa, he was still king, but he wasn't the Panther. He, he, he had a different set of powers that were given to him by the ancestors. And so together they fought a character named Victor Von Doom, who, if you're a comic book reader, you know, he's the guy in like the big metal suit who was after Vibranium. That's been a lot in the comics. Everybody wants Vibranium because it's this unlimited resource. It is also really, really uh, rare, which makes it, you know, highly valuable. So he was trying to usurp all of the Vibranium from Wakanda and First, he attacked T'Challa, who had to recover. In his recovery, uh, Shuri becomes Black Panther. And then together, they have to fight him off because he has planted people in their midst that are basically turning Wakandans against him. And what's interesting about this whole war is that because ever, all of their weapons, everything was made of vibranium, Doom was also a master scientist. So he figured out how to use vibranium against them in this in this comic book run so they had to come up with a fighting style that was completely different could outsmart all of doom uh dr doom's robots and everything who could had like photographic memories and stuff he had to find ways of the dora had to train in a new way and then they had to come up with weapons that work completely differently and that's how the midnight angels were born they were basically this elite group of dormelage only about four or five of them that were like this wet works team. And 
they were basically, uh, they, they had a different set of fighting styles and different weapons. They could fight with vibranium weapons as well as uh, steel weapons that were laced with basically, let's say magic. They were, let's just say there were magic weapons because they had part, they were particle weapons that were basically forged between the science and spirituality of Wakanda. And it was really a fascinating run. So that's how they were born. And when I say born, I mean, obviously they were not young, but that's where they came from. And it's really funny because they got to fight alongside Deadpool, which is one thing that one day I hope we get to see on TV because the Dormelage and Deadpool would be hilarious. Um, mm. but, but then the other thing that happened was ta Coates built upon that story and created two new midnight angels but it really started with the armor so if you've ever seen the dormilage with the blue armor with like blue masks and uh almost like blue plumes of feathers that are coming off their bodies they can fly they can go underwater things like that there's special mech suits that were made during Tanahasi Coates' run that two dora io and anika or aneka rather stole in order to try and save Wakanda as T'Challa was trying to defend it from another another angle, basically. And you also learn a lot about those Midnight Angels in Roxanne Gay's run as well. So there's two sets of Midnight Angels. The more, I think most people are more familiar with the comic book version. I'm sorry, the uh Nehisi Coates comic book run the blue mask versions, but yeah, they have, they're these really, really high tech suits and it's not so much that they're not part of the Dormelage. They are, but they are, they are allowed to work outside of the rules that the Dora are bound by. Uh, so they're kind of like, like the freelancers of the Dormelage. A little bit. They're a little bit like independent contractors, but when you need them, they like, when you call them, they are coming, you know, weapons ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting that you brought up Victor Von Doom because his name does appear numerous times, times in, in, your, in your book. Um, so I wanted to know, um, why did you want to bring up Victor Von Doom in your book? How does it relate? Uh, knowing what we know about the history of Von Doom and Wakanda, um, tell us why you wanted this to relate and what's in the book. Um, that story that I just told you is one of the biggest ones that involve the Dora. And so there's a lot of things that I reference because in terms of the Dora Milaje, I think when going through the comics, you regularly see like two or three or four or five Dora with the king or the queen or even the princess, even Princess Shuri. But in Doomwar, there were like 500 Dormelage. So it, in terms of their history, it really affected them. Like the Dora are actually an army and people I don't think have recognized that because so far on, you know, in the movies and even on like Falcon and Winter Soldier, you've only seen like four or five. So for the comic book heads out there, I wanted them to be able to see, yes, I'm talking about these Dora that came through this, like so many Dora gave their lives and so many more had to be initiated after that fight because of just, it almost decimated Wakanda. So it was a huge deal. Um, so that's sort of like a little Easter egg for a comic book, comic book heads out there. Mm. I love Easter eggs, especially because 
we always knew from the movies that the Dora Milaje was huge, especially from their scenes in Infinity War and Endgame, but we never knew that there were like 500 at a time. We also assumed it was like, you know, the four or five that we mainly knew, and then the like 100 we saw in Infinity War, but there's way more than that. This book gives us a little bit of a more in-depth look at the history of that, a more in-depth look at their training process, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, I, and that was important to me because I think it's always like they're there, but like, okay, how did they get there? They have their own helicarrier. Great, who flies it? Who maintains it? You know, if they speak six or seven languages, how do they learn them? You know, like, so there's all these different things that I was seeing and that was sort of helped inspire the book, both in the comics, because the same thing happened in the comics. And the comics is like, they would just be there. Like T'Challa would be there and they'd be standing in the back with spears, you know? And even little things like Okoye says, you know, that she does in the comics and in the movies, she says she doesn't like guns, like, ugh, so primitive. But then there's another, there's other perspectives. There's another, like, Aneka doesn't like them because if you have a gun and it's using vibranium bullets and vibranium is a precious resource and you don't want it to fall in the hands of some, like an enemy, if you shoot somebody, you got to go dig out that bullet. We don't have time for that. You know what I mean? So it's like just trying to think of different ways around, uh, around it. I think I had the most fun with the weapons. Like everybody knows about the, you know, Kamoyo beads that are on the wrist, but I'm like, why would they only be on the wrist? Why wouldn't they be a necklace? Why wouldn't be, why wouldn't they be in my hair? Like why, you know, why couldn't they have extended ones? It could be a whip. And they were like, Marvel was very open to me just coming up with all kinds of stuff, which was a lot of fun. Awesome. So the Dormelage are, like we said, highly skilled and trained to protect the leaders and the people of Wakanda, all five tribes. But they live very stressful lives, always under constant pressure of attacks, <coughs> doom, <laughs> and Namor. Yes. And yes, and Namor, yes. Insane, all the insane things that happen in Wakanda. Everyone always tries to steal the vibranium. And being a Dormelage is hard. So what are some things they can do to maintain their mental health? Well, it's, that was also very important for me to cover in the book. The, the courage chapters and compassion chapters, I actually think they're most, two of the most important and two of the most relatable. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated with characters that don't have superpowers that are very similar to like us, but they just have access to really cool stuff. So like Iron Man and things like that. Um, but the Dora, you know, if you're not fighting, or you, like I said, you you lose a sister in battle. How do you mourn? What do you do with that? And some of that was represented in the comics, but I, I wanted to make it part of their training that mourning is part of your process. Rest is part of your process. Even though you train to stay ready, you're also training your mind. And, you, and also, if you don't have control of your mind, um, it doesn't matter how many weapons you have, if you're up against, you know, an X-Man or somebody that has psychic powers, psionic powers, sonic powers. Like you have to be able to um, have just as much control over your mind as you do over your body. And I think that has a lot to do with the downtime. And the other thing uh, I also wanted to cover was, you know, what if someone gets injured or, you know, what's, how do they recover? How long do they recover? Or what if they are injured to the point that they can't go back out in the field? 
that doesn't mean there's no use for them. Where do they go? What do they do? You know, and that's the kind of stuff that I also wanted to cover in the book. And I think I already covered this, but I wanted to talk to you about what was your favorite part of the book? What did you enjoy writing? But it sounds like it's the, uh, the, the weapons section. Is that right? Well, you know, it was, it was three things. So yes, the <laughs> weapons section was a lot of fun. Um, creating uh, Nahanda and not creating Nahanda, but making uh having the honda be the founder of the dora i'm so happy i was able to create that canon and then there was a character that i was able to create uh that is jabari and i shouldn't say i created her i would say that it's a character that existed in the comics there's so many characters that are like side characters secondary characters i'm a huge fan of secondary characters as you can see and um she was a secondary character in a book and I was able to sort of make this whole story about her because we always hear about Wakanda and Vernon Zana, like the main golden city and everything like that. And we talk about Jabari briefly, but there are, you know, my book encompasses women that have come from all over to become Dora. And it was important that I also showed Jabari and Jabari in the comics are based on the Igbo people of Nigeria. So their language is different. And the Jabari in the, you know, remember Mbaku lives in the mountains. So it's cold there. So this particular trainee that I was able to sort of give a story to has a lot of things that she has to overcome. She doesn't speak the language, the main languages uh, she has to learn. She's shorter than the rest of the other trainees. She has to learn to use like what she has to create a whole new, you know, um, training, like interpret the training that she's given to succeed. And I was really a fan of that because I think we kind of tend to look at, you know, the tallest, the biggest, the strongest. And that character was very important to me because she's not she's short she's thick she's trying to like the the staffs are like three times her height and she's got to figure out how to achieve and she does and i think it's um i was really thankful to be able to to create that character as well well one of my favorite well, one of our favorite parts of the book so we're big marvel fans we love yep. the films and, right and i know that a majority of your material comes from the comic books mm -hmm. um, but we were able to find a connection to the film and that was the story about Azuri the Wise. Yes. All right. And this was when Captain America and Wakanda were fighting the Nazis back in World War II. Mm -hmm. So there's a history there with Captain America and Wakanda. And it's just fitting to see many years later, Cap is working alongside the descendant of the Black Panther to fight Thanos, right? And they and get the Avengers. It's almost like... Get this man a shield. Exactly right. And, and that's, right. and that's exactly what happened the first time uh, Cap and Wakanda and the king at the time fought together, that in honor of, of Cap uh, being so brave and fighting alongside um, the, uh, the, the, the Wakandans against the, 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 the Nazis, they created for him his first shield made out of vibranium. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's really funny... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say real quick. I believe in the movies, didn't Howard Stark make his shield? 
I, I think, think I think in yes. the TV show, yeah, I think that's what they I think they put that in one of the TV shows. Right. I think that was in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um yeah, what's, in, what's interesting yeah. about that that storyline when Cap meets the Howl when I'm sorry, when Azuri meets the Howling Commandos, that story was written by Reginald Hudlin in the comics. Um, and so that was fascinating. He's now uh one of the heads of Milestone Comics, and you know, he was directing movies back in the 90s like house party and stuff like that so it's just really interesting how sort of some of those storylines have still made made their way and that's what i think is so fantastic about the wakanda lore is what i call it now is because i mean i'll be honest these these characters were created by two white guys back in the 70s like 60s rather so you know stanley and jack kirby and they did an incredible job for what it was at the time but the fact that marvel has now asked a lot of black creators to continue the storyline and and build out the world of wakanda i just think is fantastic and i'm honored to actually be one of those people so we actually have some extra questions that the super producer just came up with (laughs) uh two questions Firstly, who are your favorite characters from the book and why did you admire them? And secondly, what advice do you have for aspiring writers like me? Hmm. Goodness, I feel like I've mentioned all the favorite characters. Okay, so <laughs> Nahanda is still definitely my favorite, one of my favorite characters. Um, and gosh. I, th- I think it's I think it's Tatsumi Nahanda. Like I'm literally looking at the book now, trying to see if I could like change my own mind. But my favorite character from the book is Nahanda for the reasons that I mentioned. Um, I'm also very happy that I was able to include all 16 kings and queens of Wakanda because I think uh, like a lot of people only know T'Challa, T'Chaka, and Azuri, as you mentioned, and uh, Nettie Okorafor created Queen Turkana, and she's in the book. Um, and I also, all of these kings and queens have been mentioned in various ways between ta Coates and Jonathan Hickman and a little bit by Jonathan Mayberry. But what I was able to do is give them little backstories and put them in chronological order, which was a lot of work because I had to figure out, because as we all know, there's publication history, meaning when comics come out, and then there's canonical history canon history like when stories happen and people write flashbacks all the time so the moment i thought i would have the timeline down i'd read a flashback and it's like darn it i gotta start over so um put a lot of work into that and i was excited by that so i would say just the kings and queens of wakanda and including the honda my favorite characters and how to write well honestly just write um i think at one point in time there would have been like, hey, if you're going to write, you need to choose the kind of, I mean, you still should choose the kind of writing you want to do, one that you want to, you know, do fantasy writing or, you know, be a journalist or, uh, you know, write, be a horror writer, you know, still pick what um, area you want to be in, concentrate on that and then read, read a lot of what you want to do and then just start writing. Um Fan fiction is huge. There's a lot of movies and shows that have started by fan fiction. And by fan fiction, I mean, like, if you look at websites like Archive of Our Own 
or fanfiction.net. There's a lot of stories that regular folks write that are about characters you already know about because it's easier to write about a story where you don't have to write the backstory. But it, it, it's I've seen a lot of people start there and then start creating their own original characters. Um, but I think if there's it, there's never been a better time to be an independent creator because of social media. So I'm not saying give all your characters away or your plot points away, but you can, with you know enough of a following, you can encourage people to buy the comic or book that you've created on your own through Kickstarter or even you know Amazon uh, Creative Publishing. Like there are so many entries and ways to tell your story, even short stories on Wattpad. Wattpad. Um, and I know a lot of people who have been creating their own uh, independent comics through things like Webtoons. So there's so many different ways of writing stories now that I don't think you were the only limitation to what you can achieve. Wow. Can I quote you, Robert? Sure. <laughs> Very cool yes. advice, right? Mm-hmm. Do we have any other questions? We do. Okay. So I want to get a little more in depth with these characters. So in which characters do you see yourself? There is one character that for fans who know me is sort of based on me. That's for like anybody who's listening who has been following me for a long time, you'll know exactly who that is. Um, there are, but in terms of the character that responds to things like I would, um, I would say that's Asura. And Asura to those of you who are older comic book readers is known as Queen Divine Justice back in the day. But when Ta-Nehisi Coates took over that character, she is a Jabari princess that actually was taken out of Wakanda for her own safety when she was a child and raised in the States. So what's funny about her is in the book, if you see, uh, that's the other thing I forgot to mention, there's a lot of different people who make notes in the margins of the book. She makes notes in the margins. She's very sarcastic and she talks a lot like I talk. Um, and, um, one thing I forgot to mention also is the book is a journal that would be given to Dora Milaje when they enter the school and then, uh, make notes, have other people make notes in it. And then upon graduation, you give your journal, you would give your journal to a Dora Milaje that's entering the school. So the cycle continues. And this book is supposed to be a found journal that happens after it after several wars after namor has been there after doom has been there and so they're starting the school over again with a new headmistress because as we mentioned mistress zola passed away but i was able to use some of the notes of you know of mistress zola in there as well so that's the other thing that i think is also kind of special about the book it's using that very uh African concept of the older taking care of the younger and vice versa. Okay. Well, I think that's all for this episode. <laughs> okay. Well, oh. well I, I'm so sad to end this. <laughs> any, any other questions? <laughs> Somebody? Sorry, I think we've taken up enough of your time. Today. Can, can I just tell you? You need to sleep. <laughs> Karma, you've written a wonderful book. Um, it's Thank a you. book that I will reference uh, again and again. I love books like this that just 
provides just detailed information about the history of certain Marvel characters. And um, it makes me want to go back and, 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 and finish reading my Ta-Nehisi series, um, read anything else um, from any of the, uh, the previous authors. So just thank you so much for being on this podcast. Do you have anything coming up? I have, uh, let's see, well, I'm, I'm a co-host of a horror podcast on Travel Channel called Pop Paranormal. So for those of you who are interested in horror movies, even if you're too scared to watch them, you probably can deal with the podcast. Um, that's something I do regularly. And I do have a project coming up, but I think you're going to have to follow me on social because I can't talk about it just yet. It's a pretty big one and I'm really excited um, but follow me as the blur girl, T H E B L E R D all over social. Um, for the time being Twitter, not sure how much longer staying there, but, uh, Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, that's where you can find me and follow me for all the information, but yeah, I'm still running around signing, uh, doing signings as much as possible. Um, if you would like a signed copy of the book, you definitely need to follow me on social because in my profile, um, I am selling signed copies, but if you just want to get a bunch of copies for your uh, family and friends for the holidays, you can buy Protectors of Wakanda, History and Training Manual of Dormelage, anywhere fine books are sold. And I appreciate the support. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing this book. Where can people find us? So you already know where to find us if you listen to us, but just to recap, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Amazon Music, dot, dot, dot or wherever else you get your podcast. Check out our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bothersing Galaxy. Visit our website, BothersingGalaxy.com. Please donate to our Patreon page so we can keep making the same awesome content we do. Keep bringing you these awesome interviews. Uh, check out our speaker page, too. And we are excited to announce our merch store. So for about another week or so, you can claim 15% off on all merchandise in the store. So you should buy now before the sale goes away. And, and, and thank you so much. Uh, if you are a follower on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Um, but Karen Mahorn, thank you again, the author of A Black Panther Protector of Wakanda, A History of the Training Manual of the Dora Milaje. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much once again. So until next time, take care. And, and we, we will see, see you again. again.